Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his jeans from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. Gus. Oh, he's got onions. Gus. He's got onions. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week two of the Big East Barroom off-season edition. Happy April 17th to all those who celebrate. Ryan, how are you doing on this nice spring evening after a Big East National Championship? You know, it sucks that college basketball season's over. But what Mother Earth does for us college basketball fans after the end of the season is pretty nice of her to kind of make up for it. It is gorgeous out. Um so we, you can almost forget that it's the worst time of the year. And as a Red Sox fan, your baseball season is over as well, which is unfortunate. You meant New York Mets fan? That's the only TV you get for the baseball. I'm not sure I want to get the Red Sox this year. Yeah, as a Yankee fan, it's what I was saying to um, Em the other day was, it's really nice that UConn college basketball season literally ends, and then like the next day, baseball season starts. So... Um, it's just 12 months of sports, but today yeah. is an off day. Not great for your girlfriend, though, huh? No, but three hours a day is better than trying to watch DePaul versus Butler at 9 o'clock on a Monday. For uh, her. For her, okay. <laughs> not for the people. No, not for the people. The people are looking forward to it, and now we have new players and new teams and transfer portal and all of that stuff is uh, making this offseason crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if we got some uh, news during this episode because of everything that's been breaking out lately. Yeah, we've had three or four announcements just today. We're pretty deep into the off season now, about four weeks in, three weeks in to the off season. Um, Two. Okay, but but anybody who did, wasn't UConn had started their off season early. Um, Let them know. Let them know. <laughs> no, we just like just before we were getting on, Jared Bynum committed to Stanford, so um, we'll definitely try to keep you in the loop. But it'll be old news to you by then. You probably heard it a day or two ago about Jared Bynum, so. Sorry for the the late breaking back to the future news. All right, but we are going to put two minutes on the clock, run through each team, the normal Big East barroom kind of format. But we're stopping short. We're not going to talk about Seton Hall because we have a guest that's coming on later to discuss Seton Hall with us. Um, So that should be exciting. But we definitely would like to get through these teams and at least talk about what their rosters are looking like right now. But things will be changing. Um, big time. So, do you have a an order you want to go in for the teams? Um, on the spot here, the tallest player on the team. You don't know that off the top of your head, right? no? I don't know that off the top of my head, but I know UConn would have probably the tallest player. Yeah, uh, what's he about a half inch taller than Cockburner? Yeah, the Klingon versus Cockburner. Um, I don't know. Why don't we go with the teams? Why don't we go with the teams that are have the most fluctuation in the roster? But didn't we do that last week too? Yeah. Let's just go geographic. I'll call them out for you. Yeah. All right. We'll start in the Northeast. We're going to go Providence. Two minutes okay. on the clock. And let's talk about your Providence Friars, who over the last couple of weeks have had a couple big news. Devin Carter's returned. Bryce Hopkins has returned. They got Garway Duel to recommit after he had – um, opened his commitment back up after Cooley had left. 
Tim English has essentially returned everybody of note except for Jared Bynum. Um, and he's brought in three George Mason transfers. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I've been really just – it's been a Kim English tour for me. Um, He brings in the three George Mason transfers, Fernandez, Adoro, and um, Ticket Gaines. Um, I don't know. I'm interested in – you know what this team looks like in the backcourt. Jaden Pierre and Corey Floyd are um showed a tremendous amount of promise last year, but you know, they are two younger guards that don't have a ton of experience. Uh so I'm looking forward to what you know they have as the keys to the um, you know, the car next year. Adoro is gonna be a stud. That's the one I've kind of like watched a little bit of George Mason. This kid averaged 17 points a game. The A10, I don't want to say is underrated, but it's kind of a higher mid-major conference. Um and he was great in there. Um, we'll see. Garway duels a top 50 commitment. The the ability for Kim English to retain talent, I can't judge him on his X's and O's yet. I'm not going to go back and watch every George Mason clip on his X's and O's. But, man, he has made me a believer in just a few short weeks. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, Here's one I didn't know. I don't know if the listeners knew this. Ticket Gaines, who's transferred over from George Mason, 6'7 guard. Long that's, guard. His, that's his tall as Bryce Hopkins. Um, yeah, long guard. So I guess for our lineup right now would be Pierre, Floyd, Carter, Hopkins, Adoro. Do you have any uh, starters? I don't know if you can play the Car- Carter at the three. I think one of the sophomore guards has to come off the bench. I don't know if Pierre or Floyd would have agreed to come back so hastily if they were um, not going to be get the starting role for next year. Because- no. I mean, you're pretty undersized at the three if you're playing one of those three guys there. Floyd is 6'4", so, I mean, that's closer, but you're pretty undersized. Well, Pierre, I want Floyd playing the two and Carter playing the three. I think Carter's shorter than Floyd. Yeah, but Devin Carter had Devin Carter has an incredible amount of athleticism and strength yeah. um, where I think it at least could play. But, you know, they have a good problem right now. They're having a little bit of um, too much talent on the team. Devin Carter's 6'3", 195. Yeah. Yeah, no, this right. probably seems good. Good for Kim English. Good for good for the Big East for right now. Yeah, very interesting. Garway Duel uh, was a huge commit. All right, if we're moving down geographically, move down to East Coast. We'll go to the Yukon Huskies next. Put two minutes on the clock. I mean, Huskies are returning. You know, we've already heard that Klingon is coming back. Adama Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins are going to the NBA. Um, it sounds like Sonogo's not totally closing the door on coming back, but Hawkins has. Um, my guess is Sonogo is also not coming back. Um, we also ha- got the interconference transfer for Naima Lean. Think about how different w- the difference a national championship makes last year. Um, UConn fans were not thrilled with all their their interconference transfers. And this year, everyone kind of just waved to Naima and said, you know, good luck. He's going to be a great scorer at St. John's. Um, and he was instrumental to UConn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the Adama Sonogo stuff is interesting. You had kind of... Uh, touched on it throughout the year. I, I think that Hurley had the conversation with Sonogo that if you come back, you're going to play behind Klingon, um, and Klingon's going to start next year, just because of what Donovan Klingon did as a freshman. Because he's got to have room to grow. You know, Adama Sonogo. Um, you know, the, it is what it is for him. So his choice was come back and do that or go to the NBA. I think that's probably why he went. And we quite literally have the blueprint for this. Trevion Williams was an incredible player at Purdue. Zach Eady was behind him. Trevion Williams was 
Big Ten player of the year, or at least all Big Ten. Zach Eady needed to go, you know, start. Trevion Williams came off the bench um, with Zach Eady. I think Sonogo could have played the four. You don't. Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm anxious to see, you know, what this team looks like next year. A lot of Easter eggs being dropped that Tristan Newton and Andre Jackson are coming back um, for next year. They're bringing in Stefan Castle, the number nine rated recruit in the country. Solo ball is up to 33. I think we're kind of overlooking him. Um, 32. No, um, he's the second highest recruit in the Big East. Yeah. Which we're and, not talking about because Castle is the five star, but ball is better than every other recruit in the Big East except for the other guy coming to his team. And I and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he's the second highest recruit Hurley's ever had solo ball. Um I so I, Castle is one and I believe solo ball is number two. Probably true. It, this UConn team has a chance to run it back. We're looking at the Nicholas Timberlake visit, the transfer from Towson, um, who averaged about 18 points a game and is a 40% three-point shooter. He visited with UConn the other day. So, you know, the Huskies still have a little bit of roster fixing that need to be happening um, if they want to keep all these guys. You know, maybe a transfer here or there, but they're looking to be a top-five team going into next season. And listen, when depth is your strength and you win a national championship on depth, you're in good shape for the following year because you can lose a couple pieces and still um be pretty good. Tyler, is Jordan Hawkins going to be the next UConn lottery pick later uh, in about yes. a month? Yes, Haw- Hawkins is going to go top 12, in my opinion, and he's going to ride some of this, you know, coming off of a tournament win. That's the, you know, that's the hope for these college kids. You go far in the tournament and then you parlay that into a really good um opportunity in the NBA. So good luck to Hawkins. His game is built for the pros. Absolutely. He's going to be great there. All right, moving down to 95 corridor, we'll end up in Queens, New York. Rick Patino, things are moving now. Let's put two minutes on the clock. Let's take talk St. John's Johnny's, who over the last few days have landed four commits. They've landed Dennis Jenkins from Iona, they landed Sean Conway from BMI, Naheem Aline from UConn, and you have it in front of you? Yes, I do. They also landed... Um, sorry, I do have it in front of me. The VMI kid, Sean Conway. No, Cruz, Cruz Davis, I'm sorry. Cruz Davis, who came off the bench for Iona last year. Um, so Patino is making some big waves. It took a little longer than some people expected, but he's got a uh, four guys. What uh what were you thinking when you saw those guys commit? I mean, Naimaline, you know what you're getting. He's going to score, I think. Um, reading tea leaves is that he was promised a starting role coming to St. John's. Um, I think he would have stayed at UConn if he wanted to come in as a six man off the bench. Um, you know, a lot about Dennis Jenkins. Um, so I'll leave kind of that to you. It's just kind of funny that he was the, uh, consolation prize to losing out on Walter Clayton. The kid's a heck of a ball player. Um, I'm interested in this Sean Conway kid. He shot 40%, I believe at VMI from three. So we'll see what they bring in. Rick Patino's bringing in shooters around Joel Soriano. I can't promise it's going to work. Um, I'm not betting on Rick Patino, anyone who's listened to this, but I do think that, you know, at, at least the character that he's bringing in with Naeem Aline um, and Dennis Jenkins, that he's doing the right thing culturally. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just want to talk, touch on Dennis Jenkins a little bit because you gave me an opening there. I did do a pretty deep dive on him, watched a lot of his tape from Iona, and was pretty impressed with what I saw for St. John's fans who are listening Um very similar to Walter Clayton in that he's kind of a combo guard, played on the ball, off the ball. Clayton got so much more of the attention. But Dennis Jenkins was all second team Mac 
at the end of the year. Um, a lot of Iona's success last year um, had to do with the fact that there were two really good guards in the backcourt. Jenkins can score from all over the court. He defends really hard. And he would have been the best three-point shooter on St. John's last year. So I think it's a really nice pickup. I would and and I come yeah I, I agree it just it was funny to me um and when we did all that scouting on Iona when they were playing UConn in the first round it was Jenkins or Clayton Jenkins or Clayton Jenkins or Clayton and um he's a bona fide scorer so yeah, yeah. overlooked a little bit but I think that uh St John's fans should be happy and I don't I don't know if we touched on this but let's just briefly go over the roster because they're bringing in so many transfers because they lost. Pinzone and Stanley, Store and King, um, all four of those guys committed since our last time on here, or maybe not last time, but whatever. Stanley to Boise State, AJ Store to Wisconsin, Colby King to Tulane, um, Adewusu, Posh, Carbella, and David Jones in the portal as well. So the whole St. John's roster is in the portal, so they need to bring a whole roster in other than Joel Soriano. Yeah, you see any of them coming back? Uh, I th- I think Posh left the door open the most. I mean, we're hearing. Pretty substantiated rumors from uh, that he might be looking at another Big East team, but you know I, I can't really see why anyone else. Um, I don't think Andre Carbello is welcome back from what I've heard. Um, David Jones maybe because he realizes he won't get another waiver, but he's in there as a grad transfer, I believe. Um, so interesting to find out. I will say that I think we can share this. AJ Store was interested in staying in the Big East, and it was he was told, or the Big East acted too slowly to recruit him. So that's why he chose a Big Ten team, actually, in the end. Um, it would have been nice to have him stay in the Big East, though, huh? Yeah, Wisconsin got a great one there. He's going to be a killer. He's got NBA upside, so I really like that. All right. All right. Uh, we're going further down? Yeah, moving down to East Coast, we'd end up at the Villanova Wildcats who also have some pretty significant news over the last couple of days. Let me put two minutes on the clock. And let's talk a little TJ Bamba. TJ Bamba, the guard from Washington, um, who is coming in. He's a scorer. Um, you know, you look at some of these guys in the mid-majors and you're surprised when they're putting up 19 points a game and you don't know who they are um, specifically. You know, they're at, it looks like he's probably going to be, you know, the point guard next year. Say what you want about the Pac-12. As far as incoming transfers in the Big East, he played at the highest level and had the most success of any of the guys coming in. Um, he's the most proven transfer coming in at this level. Um, so I think I w- it was a fantastic get. You put him with Justin Moore, Eric Dixon, and Mark Armstrong, and you're starting to really have a pretty nice team there. Yeah, what do you think they're going to do? Move more to the three and have Bamba play the two and have Armstrong play the one? I mean, I can't see Mark Armstrong being interested in coming off the bench for another year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't know what their plan is. I think if you have to construct the roster with how they are now, you probably play Armstrong at the one, Moore at the two, and um, Bamba at the three, Dixon at the four or five, potentially if you get a seven-foot feller from Michigan. Um, Well, Ryan, why would they be in the running? He wasn't on campus. Five feet from campus is close enough for my book. I'll quickly talk about it for a second later, but I think Villanova – is being very um, deliberate in what they're doing in the transfer portal. They haven't lost anyone. They are very much trying to find guys that they believe fit their system and that are going to work for them instead of just bringing it. St. John's right now just feels like we're trying to get all the talent we can through the door and we'll figure it out. Villanova feels like we have the puzzle piece. You need We need to figure out if it fits correctly. 
Yeah, just quickly, I think, like, because we follow the biggies so closely, we overreact to their down year. For most of these kids, for most of the agents, and for the NIL money, Villanova is still freaking Villanova. Um, it's one of the best landing spots that you're going to find. And let me touch on this just because it garnered some. Um, I will not back down at all from Hunter Dickinson being near campus. I have it confirmed from three different of the most reliable sources you can get in the like in the world that he was there. I don't he has everything to lose by saying I was at Villanova. I mean, this wasn't an official visit. You know, um, he loses some. What is it? Leverage. I'm not trying to out Hunter Dickinson. I'm trying to just say, guys, there's no reason I would report it. I know nothing in the world. There's there's nothing I would report that I wasn't 100 percent sure on. So um, you can suck it, Hilltop. But yeah, keep moving. <laughs> We try to comment very little on things we don't know. So if you see us commenting on it, you can usually take it to the bank. Absolutely. Um, all right, moving down to East Coast. The final East Coast team and the final original Big East team would be the Georgetown Hoyos, who this week landed a few big commits as well. So let me put two minutes on the clock. Let's talk about Ed Cooley's Georgetown Hoyos. That'll always sound weird to me. Uh, Dontre Styles from UNC, Jaden Epps from Illinois, and Rowan Brumbaugh from um, Texas. Now, are those some big schools to take recruits from? Everything you just said about Villanova, where they've had down years, but they're still Villanova, the Georgetown brand still plays because there is a reason John Dontre Styles was being recruited to UNC two years ago. There's a reason that Jaden Epps was being record, recruited by Brandon and that Underwood. There's a reason Brumbaugh was being recruited by, you know, in Texas by Chris Beard. These guys are highly sought after transfers. And look at a guy like Bryce Hopkins, a guy who played at a really, really good school last year and then didn't play as much as they wanted to. And what he could do when they brought him into, you know, a different situation where he could play. I think it's really speaks to the brand. I think Cooley is still a good recruiter, even if we're not on all great terms with him right now as Big East fans. Um, but I do think that he's doing the right thing and that he's definitely has Georgetown trending in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison. I hadn't thought of it, but the Bryce Hopkins comparison, four-star recruit, plays out of school. He doesn't get any playing time. He goes to you know a different school where he wants to be able to play. Um, any of those guys that – Cooley just brought in could be the next Bryce Hopkins in the Big East next year. So um, I haven't got the chance to watch a lot of tape on him. I know, you know, Styles is uh, is a pretty athletic wing. Epps is more of a guard, point guard type. And Roman Brumbaugh is definitely a point guard, I believe. Um, and Epps had a really good year in the Big Ten last year. I believe he averaged 10 points a game, um, you know, on an Illinois team that made it to the tournament. So it's it's not like he was Bryce Hopkins averaging two minutes per game. He, he was an impact player on, an, you know, a nationally ranked team. Yeah, I'm really interested to see um, how it all works out with the Georgetown players that are still there that haven't announced if they're in the portal, the ones who have announced in the portal and haven't declared to anywhere. Um, I think that there's more to come regarding that stuff. Yeah. Um, quickly, just people deport departing. Um, Primo has his last three down to Texas or TCU and Kansas. Um, I believe there's one other school, but he's being highly recruited, which was interesting. And Brandon Murray committed to Old Miss. So those were their two best players last year um, that looked like they're going to end up playing really high major basketball again this year. Yeah. I mean, obviously we knew they had the talent. We said that all year long. The talent was never the issue at Georgetown. Um, 
Kudus Wahab is in the draft and the portal. He might potentially come back. Uh, Deontay Bass, I think, is still in the portal. There's a there's a lot of players. There's a lot of talent in the portal who haven't declared yet. Wahab just announced that he's taking a uh, official visit to Penn State. Okay, so that will be you know interesting. They have a new coach there, I believe. Um, So you know, Kudus Wahab's trying to break his all time record that he set last year of transfers. So good for him if he can get another one in without with a waiver. One transfer per year. That's his policy. Yeah. Well, hey, it's not breaking the rules then. Um, all right. That means we'll move out to our mid the Midwest. The closest Midwest team would be your Xavier Musketeers, who have made a little bit of a splash over the last couple of weeks as well. And we put two minutes on the clock. And we're talking Davion McKnight and Quincy o- Olivari. Are you sure you got that one right? No. No, I don't I don't know if you got it right, but it sounds right. And we'll learn and we'll learn. Just like we learned it wasn't Suli Baum. It's Suli. Sule Boom. <laughs> That's right. Um, but two really high level guards. Davion McKnight was a multiple year starter at Western Kentucky, which is always a pretty decent school. They had the fellow that went to the NBA two years ago. Um, he's a center. I forget his name off the top of my head, but but it's a decent program. They win the conference USA pretty regularly. And then uh, Quincy Olivari was the guard at Rice. Um, don't know too much about him. Can't find any tape on him. But he averages the most points per game of any player that has committed to the Big East from the transfer portal. And, and I believe I was just going to credit your tweet that you they have the two most points per game entering the Big East from the transfer portal. Correct. So they're not taking prospects, they're taking proven guys. Yeah. And look and look what Miller did last year by proving bringing in a proven guy like Sule Boom. This Xavier team's going to look extremely different next year. Jack Nunji announced that he is pursuing a professional career. Um so he's not going to be back. Jerome Hunter announced he will be back. Desmond Claude announced that he will be back. Um and those two were instrumental in getting Ovary. I'm probably saying it wrong. Ovary there. Um I'm very excited to see what Miller can do, although I would love to see a roster that was younger so we could see some continuity. But I think he wants to compete every year, and this is how they do it. Well, don't forget, he's bringing in four recruits as well. He's bringing in um, Trey Green, who's one of the top five incoming freshmen into the Big East. He's bringing in Reed Ducharme, whose sister plays for the UConn women. And there's a couple other recruits. I think one of them's another four-star recruit. So he's got a pretty and- talented uh, class coming in. Yeah, so we're waiting on the word from Fremantle. If Fremantle and Hunter come back, um, you could probably play Hunter at the four, Fremantle at the five. I think that's a little small, but I think because your four is over, your four is kind of oversized, maybe your five can be undersized, if there's some word there. I wonder if the announcement from Hunter signals some other stuff that we could uh, draw conclusions on. Yeah, well, you're going to bring Claude McKnight and Ovary. Um, you know, they're probably going to – Claude's going to be the one, Oliveri the two, McKnight the three. Um, and then you'll see – it'd be nice if you rounded that out with Hunter and Fremantle. Then we're talking about a top three Big East team maybe again next year. Yeah, he's still a lot of stuff up in the air, but love what he's doing early. Yeah. All right, right. I, you're the geography guy. I, I could be totally off on what you're doing, so you keep going doing I'm just doing. go. I'm just – Going uh, in order. So I believe next would be the Butler Bulldogs out of Indianapolis. And after a little bit of panic for the Butler Bulldogs, Ben Matt has rounded out a team pretty quick here. I mean, he only has about one uh, one scholarship left to go. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny because Butler was probably my least um, 
favorite team in the Big East this year, and they're the most entertaining team in the portal. Um, first, Chuck Harris committed to SMU. Um, you have Seamus Lakosha still in the portal. God, it'd be great if he came back. But then they bring in Landon Moore from St. Francis. This dude's a shooter. He's going to come in day one, um, you know, and he's going to add an outside threat that Butler probably didn't have a whole lot of last year. And then they kind of did Pierre Brooks is kind of in the same breath that we were talking about um, styles and apps really highly recruited at Michigan state um, four-star prospect. Didn't play a lot. He left um, Jamil Telfer comes in from Northeastern too. It is important to note that Cameron Hunter committed to Butler um, decided one way or the other that it wasn't for him. And two days later, um, returned to central Arkansas. So that we're not going to touch much on him. Good luck in whatever he does. Yeah. God bless him. Who knows the situation? Uh, you all, they also brought in Andre screen. Who's a seven footer out of a mid major. You got to think he's sitting at Greg Oden's knee learning. Um, It's hard to get a better mentor for a seven footer than Greg Oden, but I really like the guards that they brought in. I think there's a lot of athleticism. There's some elite athletes in there. I've been watching some of Jamil Telfort's tape. Um, from the Colonial Athletic Association last year. And, you know, he's kind of like a hybrid forward guard, huge, just dominated physically the CAA. Um, really could have played the five for them because he was – but that's not his game, so they would play him as a wing. It will be interesting to see how they utilize him. He's not the most natural scorer to ever exist, but he's – last year there was questions about the athleticism on the team. He will definitely be a counter to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I'm going to have to watch some of this stuff too. I What do you think about Pierre Brooks? You think this is one of those – he averaged – you know, he played a little bit at Michigan State too. Do you think he's going to come in and he's going to feel like the, you know, big fish in a littler pond? Or what? what's your what's your gut feeling on that move? I like it. You know, he's like the number two recruit to highest re- – when they were ranked as seniors in high school, he is the second highest player to ever commit to uh, Butler. No, is Gordon Hayward first? No. no. I recognize the guy who was first. Wow. Um, but, like, yeah, like, this is as high of a recruit as Butler has ever got, pretty much. So, it's all about the talent. Thad Matt is supposed to be a legendary coach. Let's see if he can untap it. And, unfortunately, Thad is bad, and that is my uh, saying this year until they turn it around. St. John's and Butler's fan are, are going to hate you. Did I say something mean about St. John's? You oh, I don't think Patino's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, terrible take. Give me Patino all day. Yeah, Patino and Thad are bad. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think Manny Bates is pretty much gone. Um, I don't – I think if he came back, that would be their last scholarship or pretty close to it. So. Or You know what? Seamus Lakosius has done this before. He's put his name in the portal and come back. Maybe he likes what they're building over there, and he says, all right, I'll come back. I hope so. I love, I love watching Seamus play. Yes, Seamus Lakosius is a good one. All right, moving over. We'll be going to the DePaul Blue Demons out of Chicago, Illinois. So we put two minutes on the clock. Not a ton of news on DePaul recently. Um, Stubblefield kind of landed his targets early, Odin out of Wyoming. And he had one other one that I'm not going to think of off the top of my head. But he got Jaden Jaden Henley from Minnesota. Thank you. So so that's a high, uh, that's a, you know, power conference transfer. And Odin was one of the top big guys in the transfer portal. He landed those two. He hasn't lost a lot of people. Deshaun Nelson actually chose to come back, which is a win for the whole Big East because he's one of the most fun guys to watch in the conference. 
I'll be honest, it's so funny the way that college basketball emotions are fleeting. When Deshaun Nelson was there, I was like, all right, it's time for Stubblefield to leave. And then Deshaun Nelson decides to come back, and I'm like, all right, he knows what he's doing here. <laughs> you know, he, he's on the right track. I, I I know that's not how it works, but um, really good for the Big East and him that Deshaun Nelson's willing to stay. The, I'm guessing they still have some open scholarships, though, because Amosha Gibson, Javon Johnson. Um, Did you – because we don't have a ton to talk about. Do you see Emoja Gibson's line um, in the PIT? I saw he was the player of the game. I didn't see the line. I think he was like 24 and 8 or something. Like he was – this kid can score. And if you are looking for a backup point guard in the NBA right now, Emoja Gibson, you could do a lot worse. And he's like a veteran presence. No, oh, he shoots the lights out. Um, as long as he goes and shoots really well at whatever combine, you know, or, or workouts he's allowed to, he should catch on to a G League team because he, he's a shooter. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, I don't have a whole lot on DePaul, right? I wish I did. I just don't know enough about what's going on um, with their program. I, Are you in on stubs? No, I'm not on stubs. And it's weird. I, I didn't expect that. Um, You don't take a step forward for three years and your best players are always graduating because they're hitting their ceiling like as on their way out. I'm out on stubs. If stubs doesn't show me something this year, I'm done. I think that's a completely fair assessment. He's probably at the end of his rope here. Okay. So if we're moving geographically, the next team, about an hour and a half up the pond or lake, whatever you call it, would be the Milwaukee um, Marquette Golden Eagles. And the Marquette Golden Eagles have not been in the news lately, other than their players are having a heck of a fun time on Twitter and Instagram right now. Yeah, unclear. Really unclear. Um what they're doing. Cam Jones and Tyler Kolek are having fun with it. You would think an official announcement would have came out if it was true that they were leaving at this point, right? Yeah, I do. Um, I, This is in reference. Kolek and Cam Jones have posted like the next journey or the journey continues with pictures or it was a dream come true. And, uh, you know, these are at the end of the day, these are 18 to 22 year old kids and they're not kids. They're, you know, grown men, but they're in a locker room with a bunch of their buddies and they're having fun sometimes. And listen, there could be egg on my face, but I would say that Kolek and Cam Jones are coming back for next year. At least I'd be really surprised if they weren't, but you know, there's been announcements that really surprised me. We'll get to one in just a minute. So Omax Omax has declared for the draft too. Um, I think that's important. He is maintaining his college eligibility. I'm interested to see what the NBA thinks of him. He seems like the guy, you know, he's a three and D guy. Um, Three and D wing. If he cleaned up his game a little bit, a few less turnovers, you know, a little bit better shot selection. I think he could be a legitimate draft pick. I don't see it for this year, but if he wants to, he probably catches on as a two way player and can play his way into the G league or whatever. And they have no incoming transfers right now. Um, and the three players they lost didn't combine for really any minutes last year. Um, and if Omax is the only player they lose, they're looking at running it back as, you know, they're going to, it's going to be them and UConn, in my opinion, as favorites to win the Big East. Um, and what do you they, think? Joplin just slots right into the four in that yeah, situation? You put, and you put Joplin at the four, you keep Oso at the five, um, you know, Cam at the, th- three and stevie at the um i would play cam at the three and stevie at the two and Kolek at the one um but i don't know i think i i'm gonna be marquette's gonna be my trendy final four pick because they're gonna have a chip on their shoulder um 
they're going to have another year of experience and they have the best leader in the conference. I know we're only like a few weeks into the offseason. It feels like forever already. But this offseason already reminds me a little bit of their last offseason where they didn't make any noise. They didn't go get any big transfers. We all kind of forgot about them. We put them at ninth place, and then they went out and won the double championship. So don't sleep on Marquette just because there's nothing crazy going on there. Absolutely. And uh, even if they're having to create their own craziness right now, but hopefully we get some good news on uh, two of those guys soon and good luck to all Max. All right. And then our 10th and final team until we get our guest here would be the Creighton Blue Jays out West in Nebraska. So we'll put it's, two minutes on the clock and uh heartbreaker heartbreaker in Omaha. You're going to, you're going to say heartbreaker. And then you're going to listen when I tell you Utah state transfer, Steven Ashworth has committed to Creighton 25 minutes ago. For some of you, that means nothing 25 minutes ago. But I was waiting to break that news until he got to Creighton. Of course, they are the furthest team out west. Um, 43.4% from three last year on seven and a half attempts per game. Like, not a small – he was shooting all the time, and he shot – I think that would have been the highest mark in the Big East last year. And, and let's be I, – I, we can talk about Nemhard. It's a little bit of a – you never want to sit here and roast a kid because, you know, they are college students and they're doing a lot of this for, you know, our entertainment. But I don't love what Nemhard did. Um, we can talk about that later. But I thought Creighton last year really struggled because Trey Alexander's best in the mid-range. Um, he is a good three-point shooter, but he's best in the mid-range. Baylor Shyman's a good three-point shooter. Kalum is a pretty poor three-point shooter at this time of his career. And Cockburner doesn't really shoot threes. They needed a guy who could come in and shoot 43% from three. What do they do? They bring in probably the highest rated, you know, shooter left in the, um, in the conference or in the, you know, in the transfer portal. I think that this is a really good answer, answer to the Ryan Nemhard thing. Yeah. Talk about letting it fly. Like this kid's going to let it fly. Um, not going to be as good of a pick and roll operator. Ryan Nemhard really excelled at that, getting the ball to Cockbrenner and those pick and rolls lobs. Um, that might not be as clean as, clean as it had been from Nemhart, so you might see the offense change pretty significantly. But this kid bring is a is a lethal weapon, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him play now with Shireman's back, Farabello's back. Haven't heard from Cockbrenner, haven't heard from Trey, haven't heard from Kaluma. I I completely agree. But is there something to say that he's going to space the floor better than Nemhart? So maybe you can have Alexander throw those lobs. Shireman is very capable of throwing lobs. That kid can play, you know, multiple positions. I know that you're losing something in Nemhard, and um, yeah, the, if he's going for the NIL money, more power to him. If he's going because he wants to, more power to him or whatever. But at the same time, you're gaining some things in different spots. So not that this is, po- uh, you know, positive by subtraction here, but are we talking about that Ashworth is – you know, the answer in this last piece of this Creighton team. And if you run back those five, this is a top 10 team in the country again. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic point. Um, Shireman played point guard for, what, three years at South Dakota State? At 6'8", he was a point guard. He probably won't play point guard for Creighton, but with a point guard who can shoot and space the floor on certain trips down the floor, you can put the ball in Shireman's hand and allow him to create. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I think, I think at this point, what a lot of these guys are doing and you're seeing it. I can only speak on the Yukon, some of the Yukon guys too. A lot of these guys are really getting scouted hard by the NBA guys like Kaluma and Cockbrenner. Um, 
and they are going to take that information. And unless something drastically changes, they're going to be like, okay, thank you for that information. I'm going to come back. I don't, I think at this point with NIL and your ability to declare for the draft without leaving, I think it's much easier to get that information without saying I have to declare for the draft and then I can come back. Um, you know, than it was a few years ago when you had like people again, this is a Yukon, but Tyler Polly declared for the draft a few years ago just to get the information. I don't think you necessarily have to do that because I think these coaches are so well connected. You have the right people in the room at this point. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a net positive for all of the students. Um, the worst thing that can happen is you declare because you think you're going to get picked in the second round and then nobody takes a second round pick on you. You're like, I could have gone back to school. And now, you know, I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Like, that's the worst case scenario for for everybody involved. So being able to give these kids, like, really solid instructions, like, you're not going to get picked this year. This is what you yeah. need to do if you want to get picked next year. You know, and that way they can work with that information instead of being surprised on draft night because that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, and not even for the NBA. A lot, Some of these kids are going to go play really high-level European basketball. It's, it's okay if you go over there and, you know, with a – what I need to do to get my body in the right shape, or if I need, you know, work on my agility or my three point shooting and then come back to the team, you can come back to the team and say, Hey, I need to shoot more threes next year to be a professional. Is that, am I going to have the opportunity here? So I think we're going to still have some movement because these kids are getting the reports. And at the end of the day, they have to do what's best for the, you know, we love them for four years, but they have, you know, hopefully a 20, you know, 15, 20 year career after this. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. We do have one team left. You want to kick it over to our guests? All right, Big East Barroom fans, we are lucky enough to be joined by the host of Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, the one and only, only Brian Dino Veles. Brian, how are you doing today, sir? Tyler, Ryan, it is a pleasure. I'm glad to uh, talk to you guys, but I have to tell you something. I have, I have one eye on, on our podcast here and one eye on Twitter because God forbid somebody makes a commitment and like Posh Alexander commits to Seton Hall, you know, while we are recording this. All right. So we got to be ready. All right. You guys have one eye on Twitter and I'll keep an eye on them. We, we've got it covered. I There's just no off season in uh, college basketball anymore. Oh, and it's crazy. We... It is. It, you know, I, I was talking to Dan Hurley. Sorry, guys. I, I just I just have to get this off my mind. And this was when they were they were preparing for Iona. Right. So it was a Wednesday right before the NCAA tournament, they're going to play Iona on a Friday. And he's telling me how his phone's blowing up because Kamani Young, you know, Kamani and 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 uh and Young and Tom Murray uh are are just you know blowing up his phone about this guy's entering the portal, that guy's entering the portal. I mean, come on, can we get through the NCAA tournament? The portal's open for 60 days. All right. We're in the middle of April, guys. We still have another three and a half weeks of guys who can still enter the portal, right? I mean, we're getting no sleep. Uh, my eyes, my, my screen time is up like 8,000% this month, right? So it, it's crazy. I yeah, think that's really well said, Brian. Go ahead, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, we were recording earlier and we asked uh, where it's just, rec uh, you know, committed to Creighton too. So um, we'll see if anything happens. Brian, speaking of, is pa are you breaking the news at Posh Alexander Seton Hall or are you just uh, spitballing here? Because I'm seeing those rumors. I, th I think everybody's spitballing here. You know, it's it's just a, a question of you throw your darts anywhere you can, right? Whoever enters the portal, you say you're interested. And 
and you just try to land somebody. I mean, would Posh Alexander be a perfect fit for for Shaheen Holloway? Yeah, the, the former defensive player of the year in the Big East two years ago for a defensive first coach um, who can't shoot threes. He fits right <laughs> in at Seton Hall. <laughs> hey, how about um these transfers that have left? You, Trey Jackson, Tyrese Samuel, you know, some high-level talent. Uh, Femi Odecali is in the portal. He hasn't committed anywhere. What are kind of your thoughts on that? You, I'm not, I'm not sad that any of them left. All right. First of all, as, as you know, I try to put my allegiance aside, but, but now that you ask me about Seton Hall, Tyrese Samuel gave it his all, and and he had every right, right? He gave four years at Seton Hall, and had every right to enter the portal. And God bless him. Look at where he ended up at Florida, right? I mean. Uh, that's a great fit for him, and and hopefully he gets to play uh, more of the four, and and showcases skills more because he was forced to play the five under Shaheen Holloway. So I, I don't blame him one bit. All right, anyone like that. As for Trey Jackson, he was miserable. You know, he was a good soldier, uh, but again, a, a a guy who's chiseled, who should probably be a four, who thinks he's a three whose game fits himself as a three, no way was he going to spend another year here. I mean, both guys graduated. They got their their degrees, or they're going to get their degrees, and, and he goes to Michigan. But it just tells you these aren't guys that are transferring to mid-majors, all right? These are guys that are transferring to high majors. So they are very talented. As for Femi Odekale, that that's kind of a head-scratcher because I thought he was going to be a starter next year, and I think it caught everyone by surprise, and – Everything I've read and heard has led it led me to believe that he kind of read the writing on the wall, and and I think Shaheen wanted him to stay, but maybe had a different role for him based on who he thought was coming in, so he got out. But here's my question to you guys, right? Somebody like Femi Odukale, somebody like Andre Curbelo, guys who just transferred last year. Now they're transferring a year later, in an era when the NCAA said you can transfer once in the portal without sitting out. So are they going to get waivers? Do they know something we don't know? Will they have to sit out? I mean, the NCAA is going to have to make some decisions here, and it's going to be fascinating to see if guys like Odakali and Corbello are able to play right away, Am I, unless I'm missing something. You tell me. No, and that's – I mean, we're, we've been wondering that, but then, you know, Dennis Jenkins, who just transferred over, has already said that he's going to get a waiver – um, or feels confident in the ability. I don't know. I I wonder if, you know, one of the reasons they said that you could transfer is emotional distress. I wonder if you say that my coach left. I know that you're not supposed to, but is that enough reason for emotional distress? But what does that mean for Femi Adekali? His coach didn't leave. The coach who recruited him last year is coming back. You know, at least Curbelo's coach, um, he could say, I wanted to play for Mike Anderson. I'm emotionally distressed because he's leaving. I don't, I don't know why these guys are so sure they're going to get a transfer or a waiver. And I'm wondering, you know, they must know something we don't, or hopefully they're being advised. And let me just chime in that, you know, we've heard Sule Boom mentioned when he transferred to UTEP that he thought he was going to get a waiver and he didn't. So players make these mistakes where they think they're going to get uh, a waiver for the transfer and that they believe incorrectly. So they, a couple guys in the portal might be in for a surprise. Yeah, and and another thing, you're you're right. I mean, they're doing it blindly. They don't know if they're going to get the waiver. And and here goes the NCAA all over again, having to to hear these. Uh, excellent point about Dennis Jenkins, who 
his coach left. So he has a lot better case, like you said, Tyler. Um, it, it's it's really going to be fascinating. And, and something else about the portal that I saw, and I'm sure you guys saw as well, they're going to get like what? You know, upwards of 2,000 transfers. Last year, they hit 2,000 transfers. This year, they're trending in that direction again. They're not all going to get a scholarship. They're not all going to get a school. You know, 25, 30% of them will lose a scholarship. So was it worth it to them? I don't I don't think so. Not when you're losing out on on a on a surefire free education, right? And Brian, to stick with transfers for a second, is there, you know, you're pretty in tune with the Big East. Is there one that has surprised you outside of Otakali? Is there a transfer, you know, that entered his name in the portal that, you know, maybe you were thinking was going to take a step forward? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but you know, with so many names going in the portal, especially in the Big East. I have been surprised at some of these guys, like a Primo Spears putting his name in for the second time, like a Naeem Aline putting his name in after winning a national championship. I'm just wondering if anyone caught you off guard. Uh, in terms of entering the portal from from the Big East, no. Ryan Nemhard leaving Creighton, I, I guess that would be the one, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe I take that back. Uh, I, I think he's, If I'm, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. He's put his name in for the NBA draft, but he's he's in the portal. Am I right about that? I know he's looking at Gonzaga, so he's I, technically in the portal. That would be the I, big surprise. I thought he had not put his name in the NBA draft, but I wasn't. I'm not a hundred percent sure who's put their name. Yeah, in. I don't believe he put his name in for the draft. I think he's okay. He's just in the portal. Which then which, that would be the one. That yeah, would be the one, tough. guys. Uh, who? Let's face it. I mean, why would you leave Creighton? They just went to the Elite Eight. You know, Shireman's coming back. Obviously, McDermott has it going there. Calk Brenner, right? I mean, uh, they there's a there's a program that is just going to keep reloading, like Xavier. Um, and you guys are all over this in the Big East because I I love what you're doing. I love the way you've hit the ground running and grown uh, your Twitter fan base. You have content out there that you know people want, and that that stems to your growth. So you know, good job there. So you guys know the Big East you know, better than I do. Um, Xavier, Creighton, I mean, th these are teams that aren't going away, right? Hey, man, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your interviews with Dan Hurley. Had him on. What was it like talking with the national champion? It's strange because this is someone who I personally know. I was a couple of years older than him at Seton Hall. And, uh, you know, I knew him as a player. We all kind of I can't say I hung out with them, but, you know, we we, we had a few drinks back in the day, uh, you know, socializing and with a lot of the players. OK, just just like, um, you know, weekends, things like that. So this is a guy who I've known for a long time. This is a guy who uh, was in New Jersey and we'd see each other down the Jersey Shore from time to time. So to talk to him and see him win a national championship, it, it's kind of surreal. And and just to hear him talk about, you know, him at his low point when after I left Seton Hall, he went through depression, left the team, uh, boldly took a leave of absence for, um, you know, to get himself right mentally. And, and he wasn't in a good place. And to admit it at that time, when a lot of people weren't admitting it like they like they do now, uh, you know, it took a lot of courage and to see him come up from that 
guy's been a winner wherever he's gone. I mean, my God, he's been a winner at St. Benedict's. He's been a winner at Wagner, Rhode Island, UConn. You guys know this. And um, when he went to UConn, we we not, we know why Kevin Willard and Ed Cooley and even Jay Wright, uh, you know, they knew what was coming, guys. So to interview him as a national champion, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, I have not ever had a one-on-one with a national championship head coach. So that was kind of cool. You know, I've talked to, I've talked to Jim Calhoun amongst other people at the time, but to sit there and just talk to him was, was very cool. And Brian, you almost owe yourself short because you got him, I believe right before the tournament. And then you got him after the tournament too. So can we say that you are the good luck charm and the reason that UConn (laughs) is the national champion? We're going to go with that, Tyler. Let's, let's go with that. Uh, absolutely. Hey, you know what, when, when, you, when you hound a guy enough times and, you know, you send a hundred, 125 texts throughout the season, can you please come on? Can you please come on? I mean, you hope sooner or later he's going to respond to you one time, right? <laughs> well, Brian, we appreciate so much what you do for this conference. Everybody who's listening to this should hundred percent check out Brian's interview with Dan Hurley. That was must listen to content. If you're a big East fan, you have to go check that out for sure. Thanks guys. And Brian, last last thing I just want to touch on is you're, you know, we're talking about the Big East. Is this as healthy as the Big East has been since the original, you know, in the breakup? Um, is It seems like we have name brand coaches. We have players staying additional years. So you have more recognition of players, you know, throughout the country. You have the national champion. You have Villanova, who's been a national champion three times um, in the last, you know, 15 years or so. Is this as healthy as the Big East has been? I think it's the healthiest since they reconfigured without question. You can't can't compare the old Big East with the new Big East, right? It's, it's, it's very hard to, it's like, it's like comparing Babe Ruth stats in the dead ball era to Aaron judges, right? So you, you, you can try, but it's difficult, but there, there's no question, you know, look at the coaches. I mean, my gosh, you know, uh, Dan Hurley, national championship winning coach. Uh, Rick Pitino, national championship winning coach, you know, Greg McDermott, excellent coach, Sean, Z- Sean Miller, excellent coach. I almost combined two there. Kim <laughs> English has hit the ground running and shown that he can, you know, retain and recruit at Providence. Ed Cooley, you know, national coach of the year. I mean, even Thad Mata, say what you want, but I think he's going to get it done. Uh, you know, guys who have been to the Elite Eight, like Shaheen, it- it's it's amazing. And guys, look at the players that are coming in every single day. You know, Xavier's reloading. Uh, you know, you were talking before, Creighton, you know, gets gets Stephen Ashworth, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the country. I mean, my gosh, you know, there are great players coming here. Um, you know, great weekend for St. John's and Rick Patino. He's not done yet. And then Villanova, just when we're ready to write them off, you know, they bring in TJ Bamba from Washington State. My gosh, yes, this is as healthy as it's been when, you know, you can have a Providence reloading and seeing what they're doing. Uh, it's going to be insane. You know, is UConn going to be the preseason favorite? Yes, you have to put them one. And then I think right now you put, you can't ignore what Marquette has done. So you have to put Marquette two. I think you put Creighton three, Xavier four. 
I mean, those four right there are top 25 teams. Am I wrong? I And Villanova, and I think Providence has top 25 town if Kim English can coach. Correct. So so you can have, let, let's say right now, and we don't know how everything's going to shake out. Let's say right now, we agree that there are four top 25 preseason teams in the Big East. Potentially, Providence and Villanova, it's unlikely because, let's face it, guys, there is a Big East bias out there, right? I mean, there is a bias against the Big East, and it's a shame. But the Big East and Dan Hurley and 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 Creighton and uh, Xavier proved everybody wrong at how powerful this conference is. So I think four for sure with, uh, you know, let's go top 30, top 35. Let's throw Villanova and Providence there as well. You got six out of the top 35 teams in the country. That's that's pretty damn good for for a conference with eleven teams. Brian, you've got me hyped for this season. Jeez, <laughs> why not? I mean, and and we don't even know what these rosters are going to look like. So let's talk in June, you know, and and see where we're at then, and then we can really, uh, you know, put numbers on these teams. Let's not forget UConn got Joey Calcaterra in in the middle of June last year. So the portal ends May eleventh. Guys can can't enter the portal, but they can certainly sign out of the portal. So we can see signings in, into summer guys. Absolutely. And Brian, I think you just made it that we'll have a date again in June to talk a little bit more Big East Let's do, I'll have you on my show. All right. I'll the favor. Uh, we'll do a little, we'll do a little Big East talk on, on, on my show. I'd love to have you guys on. All right, guys. And so make sure you go check out Brian's pod, Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Big names, great guy. Um, we can't thank you enough for coming on today to the Big East Barroom to uh, talk about the offseason a little bit. Guys, from one nutmegger to another, uh, we have a bond that will never be broken, and uh, we got to stick together. All right? So uh, go Huskies, go Big East, and I will be following you guys just like I, just like I always do. Thank, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you.